question that brought you here. Are you satisfied with what life throws at you without ever asking why? Because I'm not. I mean, if you're content talking endlessly about the same recycled subjects over and over, just go to another podcast, because this is a new platform for my friends, clients, and anyone who wants to hang around a virtual campfire and discuss questions you've always had, but never dared to ask. My name is Rich Nisbet. Welcome to It's the Question. Hello, my awesome friends. This is episode number 12 of It's the Question, and I feel this one's going to be a really good summation of all that we've been discussing, because it brings together everything we've been talking about so you can live your life in a much more stable, powerful, and happier way. The question last week was, what do you mainly complain about? And the reason for that question is there's a way to actually overcome your complaints. Because listen, Willie Nelson, the country singer, was once quoted as saying, we create our own unhappiness. The purpose of suffering is to help us understand we are the ones who cause it. And we're going to discuss that in a little bit. Now, I listed out the main three things that I hope you got out of listening to these 12 episodes so far. The first one is, I hope you were able to open the door outside of your five senses, touch, smell, seeing, hearing, and tasting. Number two, I hope that you felt validated in the things that you kind of knew in your heart but were unable to express because you thought others might not understand. And number three, it's my hopes that you see now that you don't have to be pinned down to only what you learned in schools or from parents or from teachers, that there's a whole universe outside of that whole realm that you can actually step into and be who you truly are. So let me break down these three things that I hope you got out of this series. Number one, the five senses. If that's all you're relying on to live your life, you're in a matrix, really. It's a very narrow, animalistic type of way to live your life if you think that's all you got. Because it's not, remember? Have you ever been outside your body? Have you ever experienced telepathy? near-death experiences, those guys come back and they say, whoa, it isn't what we thought. You guys, listen, I just died and I saw stuff and I perceive stuff that is nothing to do with what we think is real. Right? I mean, come on. All you've got is touch, smelling, hearing, seeing, and tasting? I don't think so. How about... How about other senses and awarenesses and perceptions? You know, like imagination, telepathic awareness. You know, when a person goes out of their body, that's a whole different sense. How about sensing emotion in somebody else or in yourself? Have you ever gone into a room that had an argument before and you can feel the energy, the kind of negative energy in that room? Well, that's a perception, that's a sense. Speaking of emotion, let's just talk about that a little bit. Emotion is actually motion, right? It's energy. It's 
wavelengths and different emotions are constructed by different wavelengths. Have you ever felt depressed and you felt heavier? Well, there's actual weight to that emotion. The wavelength is much denser. It's much more solid like a rock. But when you're happy, the wavelength is very smooth. So you feel much lighter. Now, theoretically, the spirit or consciousness in its native state has absolutely no wavelength. It is not connected to this physical material universe because this universe is made up of motion, energy, change, time, space, all that stuff. And the human spirit is not part of that. But you, the human spirit, can create energy. Because like I said, emotion is motion, which is energy. And you create your own emotion. Yeah, so obviously the human body is part of the linear time stream and it's engulfed in the material universe, but you don't have to be. You can actually run that thing from a much wider range of senses and perceptions than your physical body possesses. You don't have to stay in that little box. So just remember, when life becomes very confusing and all this random motions going on and all this turbulence is happening in your life, you are motionless, just absorbing it all. And it is not you. You don't have to agree with it. You can maintain who you really are. Okay, so the number two thing I hope you got out of the series is being validated for things that you perceive or have an innate knowingness about, but didn't really want to tell anybody about it because you were afraid it wouldn't be real to them. Now, you can go on throughout your life pretending that you don't know this stuff, but I'll tell you, you know that book I wrote, When It's Time, with steps that you can take to help somebody pass away peacefully? Well, at that point of life, it's time to get real with them. You can say, Grandma, listen, there is a chance that you are a spiritual being separate from your body and that you are not, in fact, going to die. Your body will, we know that. But you are you and you may continue. She may say something like, you know, honey, I've always thought that. I hope that's true. You know, you're just pointing out to her something that she already kind of had the feeling of, but has never really talked about it with anybody. So I'm hoping a lot of you have had feelings like this or awarenesses and the fact that we brought it up might validate or acknowledge what you kind of inherently knew. All right, number three. You've been taught things by your teachers and your parents and your ministers and your college professors, but no one has really been talking about the stuff we're talking about here, right? And I don't know why. Why don't they bring up these types of subjects that every person 
kind of wonders about. Paranormal phenomenon. What is the human soul we talk about all the time? How do we tap into the potential that we all possess? You know, I might have mentioned this before, but when children have a near-death experience and they return back to their life, they don't have too much of an interest in their schoolwork anymore. Stuff like the history of politics. They are more interested in subjects like quantum physics. Yeah, like what does observation have to do with motion? Stuff like that. Okay, so I hope this series was interesting to you. Learning about things you might have already thought of but our parents and teachers never talked about. Okay, on to the question of this podcast. What do you mainly complain about? Now, this might be a little rough for uh, some of you because of the phrase, the truth hurts, right? But remember, there's another phrase, the truth will set you free. Now, I'm going to go over a couple ways that we kind of create our own unhappiness. One is called mind over matter, and the final one is called spirit over matter. Mind over matter and spirit over matter are two different things. So let's take up mind over matter. Mind over matter happens when a moment of trauma, either physical or emotional, hits the person, and during the confusion and lowered awareness of the situation, they either make a decision or something is uttered and said during that moment of trauma that acts like a decision. Seriously, you know, I've been a counselor for a lot of years and I have seen this. One example, a woman had bulimia. That's when you, you eat but then throw up and it was killing her. She was seeing a psychologist for a couple year period, but it was getting worse and worse. And finally she got referred to me and I sat her down and uh, within about three hours, it was actually resolved. And here's what happened. We got her back into a early childhood memory when she had the German measles. And this is when you've got a temperature of like 104 and you're delirious for a couple of weeks. And of course, when you're that sick, you don't feel like eating at all. And her mom tried to get her to have some oatmeal one day. And her mom, I'm sure, was very frustrated. And she kept going, come on, honey, you've got to eat. You've got to eat. Come on, honey, you've got to eat. Come on, you never eat right. She uttered the phrase, you never eat right. Now, when my client spotted that, she opened her eyes, looked at me and said, oh my God, do you hear what I just said? You never eat right? Her face got flush, like energy was reestablishing itself. She smiled, she started laughing. She's like, oh my God, I never eat, you never eat right. I can't believe my mom and well, the next day she walked in and said, hey, I don't throw up anymore. And that was the last I heard of that condition in her. 
It's kind of like that uh, story, the Manchurian candidate, when there's unconsciousness present and words are spoken, they can actually go in like an implanted hypnotic command. And in this case, you never eat right actually caused her body not to eat right. You see, mind over matter. Another example, a woman was trying to get pregnant. For two years, her and her husband tried in vitro, uh, all the hormones and blah, blah, blah. She got into an early childhood incident, very, very young, where her parents were physically fighting. Her mom got shoved against the wall. The crib got hit. There was probably trauma to her, and her mother screams out, I will never have another child with you. Now, the mom was, of course, yelling at her husband, but the little baby hears that phrase, I'll never have another child. And by God, after that session, <laughs> next month she missed her period, and now she has three kids. I swear to God, I don't know what to say. Mind over matter. I'll never have another child was preventing her body from getting pregnant for some reason. It's pretty heavy. And it's pretty remarkable. And I got to point out that people will often say, well, that's coincidence. But I don't believe in coincidence anymore. I don't. Things happen for a reason. And if you keep looking, you'll eventually find the reason. I remember one guy I was counseling. He was going to veterinarian school. And uh, he remembered a time when he was young where their cat died. And that's when he decided... I'm going to become a veterinarian. Now, that's, a, that's kind of a good decision that, that led his life down a path. But he hadn't remembered that decision until our counseling session, so it was kind of subconscious. And that's what I'm talking about, mind over matter. Some of these subconscious commands or phrases or decisions can actually drive us a certain direction without our really knowing it and be the source of unwanted conditions in our life. You get it? Mind over matter. Now, spirit over matter is a different situation. I call it spirit over matter because the person, or in this case, spirit versus the mind, has an agenda or a purpose or a reason for possessing that bad situation. Somehow, that bad thing that he's complaining about is serving him. Now, one example that's obvious is the guy's not making any money, and you say, what's going on? How come you don't make money? And he says, well, then I'd have to pay my ex-wife. So he's keeping his finances in a bad condition just so he doesn't have to give her any money. You know, ridiculous stuff like that. I remember um, a doctor I was uh, consulting she was not doing well financially, and I asked her, is there any specific purpose you might have for not doing well financially? And she actually thought about it for a minute and said, you know, my dad and I used to fight all the time, and he was very wealthy, and he kept pounding me to get a career that would be financially secure. And now that you mention it, I think... I subconsciously am probably trying to prove him wrong that money isn't the key to anything, but that's kind of stupid when you think about it, isn't it? Ha ha, she starts laughing, right? Big epiphany. 
all of a sudden the next month she has the best month she'd ever had and she's been making money ever since and listen you don't have to be in some big counseling session to figure this stuff out there was a, a woman who was complaining uh, she was a friend of mine and she was complaining about a jaw problem TMJ it's called and she was going to orthodontists and chiropractors and getting splints and dentists and for three weeks nothing was working it was going on and on about this this tight jaw problem and I just off the cuff uh, said to her you know sometimes when physical situations are not resolving there is a purpose the person has for having that condition and she got flush in the face and went I know my purpose I'm like okay what what's the purpose she said I have been yelling at my children incessantly and I just don't want to do that anymore. How do you keep from yelling at your kids? Create a stiff jaw that can't really talk very well. <laughs> right? And the next day, never heard a word about it anymore. Haven't heard anything about it since. All right, one more example of spirit over matter, and this is the really, really dramatic one. A guitarist who was a friend of mine was scheduled to go on tour in Japan in a few weeks. And he was working in a wood shop during the day for extra money. And I found out that he had cut his thumb off in a bandsaw. I mean, I was like, what? So I went to the hospital and there he is. He's got a cast, got tubes and electrodes and things hooked up to this thing um he was pretty out of it the doctors uh stuck a pin in there but they weren't at all confident that it would ever come back because it had cut all the way through the bone and it had been just dangling there from a piece of skin so it was like really bad anyway after a little after about a week or so I got in the room with him and I said to him, listen, um, I, I know of this kind of a question answer uh, procedure and I'm gonna ask you a question and you just tell me the answers that you get to it and we'll do that for a while until something happens. And I said, I want you to give me a purpose for having a bad thumb. And he says, what? I said, just, just give me a purpose for having a bad thumb. And he said, I, there's no purpose I have for this. And I said, well, just make up some answers. I said this because, listen, <laughs> the purpose behind a bad condition is very intimate to the person who's got it. And they're not going to want to admit that they are the source of their problem. Nobody wants to admit it. They, everybody wants to say it's this or that. But come on, people with problems like this, they have been selling the world and selling themselves on how bad it is and how they're a victim of it and how awful. And I've been talking about this for years. And they've got a lot invested in this problem. So when you ask them for a purpose for having it, they're going to get a little offended at first. So I said to him, well, just make up some answers. Come on. 
So he said, well, people would feel sorry for me. I said, okay, give me another purpose for having a bad thumb. Oh, well, then I wouldn't have to work. Okay, give me another purpose. Well, I get disability maybe. Give me another purpose. Answer, answer, answer. And all of a sudden, his face got flush. He stares at me. He's like, oh, my God. I just realized something. I'm taking some classes in a very technical subject, and there's machinery I have to operate, and I have to operate it with my thumb, and I have a test tomorrow, and I'm freaking out that I won't pass it, and I don't want to, and I'll, do you think, oh my God, do you think that, do you think that I created this because I didn't want to do that test tomorrow? <laughs> well, he went to the doctor the next day for checkup, and the doctor could not believe it. Blood flow had all returned back to his thumb. All the electronic devices were showing how much life was in the thumb now. This was nothing was like happening before. It was pretty much dead. All of a sudden, now it's all healing fast. And within a few days, he didn't have to be in the hospital anymore. And he started moving it little by little, day after day, practicing lightly, increasing it, using therapy on himself, moving it around. And in two weeks, he took off for Japan and did the full tour. Nobody could believe it. All right, so how about you? The question was, what do you mainly complain about? And if you want to get to the north side of that complaint, you're going to have to find a purpose for having it. How does it service you? How does it justify something in your life that you're not really wanting to face? You gotta find the purpose for having that complaint, that thing you don't like, that thing you keep selling to yourself and the world that you're a victim of. I mean, I myself have done this exercise on just being bored I was bored once and I thought, well, okay, I don't like this, so what purpose do I have for being bored? And you know what? I thought of a couple things and all of a sudden it popped and I wasn't bored anymore. I found the reason that I was putting boredom there in my life. It's really wild. And I, a lot of you aren't gonna even do this exercise and you're not gonna believe me and that's fine, but if you can dig deep enough, you're gonna find it and you're gonna be like, whoa. So here's how you do it. Get a piece of paper, write down your complaint at the top, like a bad ear or bad hearing or a bad leg or a bad husband or financial problems, however you word it. Word it as close to the, um, the malady as you can and then start writing purposes that you might have for having that and if it, if you need to, just make them up. Just start making them up. Because if you keep doing that, you might do 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 answers. But pretty soon, something's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. And it's going to be a big epiphany. And you're like, oh my God, I cannot believe. Oh, wow, that makes total sense. Whoo. Okay, try that out. I am really interested to hear what your major complaint was and then what major purpose that you had underneath that whole thing that was holding it in place. 
All right. Now I'm going to leave you with something that I thought was very, very pertinent to what we're doing here. This was from another podcast, and an interviewer was asking a woman who is 100 years old, what advice would she give somebody younger than her that she has come to realize based on her years and years of experience? Okay? It's the question. You, you had a, a very good, long life. Um, what's the secret to a good life? For someone who's 60 years younger than you, 70 years younger than you, has some time left in front of them, what's the thing you think about that you wish maybe you had thought about when you were 35 or 40? Oh, I think I discovered very, very early in life that life was filled with questions and that it was the questions that were important, never the answers. The answers always change. The questions grow. I discovered that a long time ago and it's been my absolute way of life ever since.